Hello and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Tuesday, April 12th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm tired. It's been a long week, but worst of all, I'm deprived like eight, nine days of sports talk. Yeah, an extended hiatus on the podcast. My bad. <laughs> no, no, we gotta, you gotta, you gotta take that time. And that's the great thing about having this as a current side gig is we do have the flexibility to throw out pods whenever we want. We do have a couple dedicated listeners who will follow us to the ends of the earth and we appreciate them very much for all of their support and it has helped us feel comfortable in being able to take those extra days and make sure that we're both locked in dialed in to deliver a quality product every time we step on the mic sir thanks dad (laughs) all right uh a tuesday evening a action-packed sports weekend um Formula One, Australian Grand Prix, not the most exciting result, but uh, Red Bull needs to figure out their engine because that is now two out of three races where Max Verstappen has not finished the race. Charles Leclerc and Ferrari look like the runaway favorites for the Drivers' Championship early on in the season. We had the Masters, Scotty Scheffler, boring us as viewers, absolutely running away. I think he had a five-stroke lead going into the final hole. So a couple of less popular sports, at least in the North American side of things, underway that weekend. And then, of course, we had a barrage of sports all over the calendar with hockey, basketball, baseball, a little soccer, although not much viewership there. Season just getting underway in the MLS, but lots to talk about. So we're really going to have to dial things in here and, and pick and choose the specific things that we want to talk about on this lovely Tuesday evening. As we speak, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Kevin Durant hitting a corner three uh, last I saw to take the Nets up 91-82 in the fourth quarter. We'll definitely be touching on that with basketball, but we are going to start with tennis talk here and the upcoming Monte Carlo 1000 Series Tournament. Max, I will let you kick things off. Ongoing, a little more than upcoming. We midway through the second round now. A couple matches of that round already played and a huge surprise early on as Novak Djokovic loses his first match in the second round. Um, Just the second event he's played in, he hasn't gone deep in either. But congratulations to Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, the Spaniard, uh, who never let Novak get comfortable uh, forcing breaks early in that first set. Uh, he dr- dropped the tiebreaker in the second, but ran away with it in the third, getting three breaks for the 6-1 win. Um, I think he won something like 45% of the points off Novak's first servo. So like you don't expect these guys to rust. Uh, we talked to, well, I... We talked about it with uh, Nadal's run at the Australian Open after he hadn't played competitive tennis since Roland Garros, I believe. Um, But a bit of rust for Djokovic and an opponent who knew it was ready to take advantage. Um, I I was really interested in this going in because this, like the first big test on clay, which is going to be a huge indicator for where he's going to be at for Roland Garros if he does in fact play Uh, and this promising out there for all the Nadal fans if he can healthily make it to the French Uh, but this whole draw really exciting um, roster running throughout it a lot of names to hit on so we'll move on from Djokovic I think I think The second biggest name right now, Carlos Alcaraz, uh, on a ridiculous run 
in 2022, having just won his first Masters tournament the last time he played. Uh, he was only one win really away from that the time before, losing to Nadal in the semis. And before that, he won his first ever 500 on clay, so already some success on this surface. Uh, that also the surface he won his first tournament, a 250 level draw as an 18 year old. Uh, so absolutely one of the biggest names and his draw or his quarter, I guess, just got a lot less competitive with Djokovic out, though he will be running back the ATP next gen finals matchup against Sebastian Corda in the second round. That is 100% the most exciting matchup we have in this round. Other names to touch on, Stefano Tsitsipas, defending champion, had a pretty quiet 2022 so far. Uh, likewise for Alex Zverev, though Andre Rublev, probably the one who went through the biggest uh, gauntlet at last year's Monte Carlo before losing to Tsitsipas, I think in the semis, and then I can't remember who Stefanos won against in the finals. Uh, always got a touch on our Canadians. Felix Auger-Aliassime looking like he has a brutal gauntlet if he wants to make a run of it. He's going to have to go up against the young Italian stud, Lorenzo Musetti, in the second round. He'll be playing that match tomorrow, I believe, as this drops. And then likely to face Schwartzman in the third round, looking at Tsitsipas in the fourth round, and maybe a Rublev, a Zverev, or whoever can take one or both of those two out. Uh, Sinner also in that draw, so going to be a tough run for Felix. Also got to touch on Casper Rudd, the prince of clay. You can't really call him anything more than that whilst Nadal in, but a lot of really great names to bring this tournament to the hype a thousand level event deserves. We'll be touching in on that uh, next pod and Sunday as it wraps up. That's all the tennis for now, though. Some basketball or some hockey? Oh, what are you feeling? We're going to go hockey next because um, the hype train was in full locomotion this weekend. Uh, after a couple of solid games in Florida, um, <laughs> the Leafs absolutely blowing. Uh, they had not lost in regulation uh, besides the Habs two weeks ago. That um, looks like they're about to drop one tonight against the Sabres of all teams. Although Alex Kerfoot just scoring halfway through the third here, maybe they can mount a comeback. And hopefully one of the ways they can mount a comeback is by feeding the absolute red hot mutant from Venus, Austin Matthews who has now scored 51 goals in his last 50 NHL games played. Um, the pace that he is setting is frankly unprecedented in this era, at least. And he's putting up a historic season, passing Rick Vibe for the most goals in a season in Leafs franchise history with 56 last week. He's up uh, now to 58 on the season two away from 60 and many were talking as though 70 goals in a season was not out of the question, which is just hard to even fathom that it would be possible in this day and age. He does need 12 goals in his next 10 games, including this game. He doesn't have one yet. Um, I personally would be very happy with 60, but it would be really, really cool. And it's not super far-fetched to say that he could score 12 goals in 10 or even his next nine games here to finish up the season. But then what you do risk by having this record chasing is him burning himself out towards the playoffs. So I'd rather see him hit 60, conserve the energy, get ready for the playoffs and bring this kind of intensity and dominance that he has shown um, now over the last three, four months as a player. And if he's not the favorite for the heart trophy at this point, like he was a couple of weeks ago, I don't know what to tell you. He has been out of this world, super fantastic. And I just can't believe how blessed we are to now be in a sports city where we have Matthews and Marner. We have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette and we have Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. Like, it doesn't get much better than this in terms of Toronto sports teams across the board 
in terms of the stretch that we've really experienced with this team. The last kind of peak year we had with all Toronto teams was probably 2016. Raps making Eastern Conference Finals, Blue Jays making the ALCS, and and the Leafs at least picking Austin Matthews first overall. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was maybe the year that making the first round of the playoffs was celebration in and of itself, but I guess that the next then. Yeah. And uh, not to mention TFC making the finals. I think they won that year. So not a bad year for Toronto sports, but we're trying to, trying to, trying to improve on that this year. That would be ideal. Um, and, and one of the ways that we're hoping to do that is coming up briefly as we turn into basketball storylines. Now, before we talk about the playoffs, which are set to be very, very entertaining, I'd like to take a quick stop here and talk about the first half of this play-in game already between the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Brooklyn Nets, the one that everyone had circled uh, because you want to see how Kyrie and KD perform in a playoff environment. They're just so good. They're so unstoppable, and that's why you always want to not be going up against them. And the Boston Celtics in line to play Brooklyn if the result stands uh, and, and the Nets would take the seven seed and Based on the first half, the Celtics have to be sweating just a little bit. Kyrie Irving, 10 for 10 from the field. Only one of those shots was a layup. The rest, contested threes, middies, and he hit this ridiculous buzzer beater to end the the half, um, playing out of his mind in the first half, the best he's played all year. He's since cooled off, him and KD actually, making some uncharacteristic misses. And this fourth quarter stretch, they've really relied on the work of Bruce Brown and Nicholas Claxton here, uh, running the short roll and distributing to one another. Um, the Cavs really trying to take the ball out of Brooklyn's hands and punishing them around the rim here with Mobley and Markinen getting some dunks and, and Kevin Love bullying some of the bench players. So going to be really fascinating to see how this game ends up. But based on the season, if you're the Celtics, you're not super terrified of the nets but you never want to go up against those two guys because the shot making is unparalleled across teams in the league they can turn it on for long enough to terrify you but i i just still don't buy that they can turn it off for a seven game series let alone multiple seven game series and i like smart to defend Kyrie. i like tatum to defend durant and if I'm the Celtics, I'm kind of glad that I'm not going up against a team who's going to punish me too bad at the rim, um, mm-hmm. missing out on Williams. Mm-hmm. But you do never know. It is just four games. And if you had to pick players who could win four games on their own, those two top of the short list. Yeah. Hate to see it, though. The other interesting thing about this Brooklyn Nets team, and we'll get to it, I've ranked my playoff series in order of entertainment, and it does vary based on the result of the play-in tournament, but uh, Ben Simmons reports coming out today from teams, obviously like these staged leaks that he has felt more dominant, he is feeling more confident than he ever had in his entire career. And it's just a whole lot of baloney because if he was feeling good, he'd be playing. And we haven't even got reports that he's playing three on three. He's not ready. I don't think we see him in the playoffs, but uh, weird reporting coming out today right before the play in tournament. And he's a guy that they really need if they are going to stand any chance in the playoffs just based on the defense alone. Because as we can see tonight against the Cavs, the Nets have none of that. They have none none of the defense. <laughs> They're just going to try and outscore teams. I would As call... Nicholas Claxton gets another dunk to put the Nets up 10 here with three minutes left. Sounds fairly definitive. Uh, something I found very entertaining. I would call CBC as lukewarm a media outlet as you can get. Um, never really vying out of whatever is the popular mainstream left-wing opinion um, or voicing anything controversial from that worldview. Uh, Their sports write-up, which I've quoted a couple times on this pod, had a line about Simmons that just kind of spoke to, I think, where his uh, status is in the sports world. The Brick Lane guard forced his way out of Philly and has yet to play for anyone this season due to brackets officially a back injury. 
if I told you that like CBC was writing that about the all-star two years ago, I don't know who would have believed. Um, but I think that's exactly where he is. Can't put it much better than that. You really can't. Uh, moving on here, the next game tonight in the play tournament between the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Clippers. This is going to be a really fun one. This Timberwolves team, really hungry, haven't made the playoffs since uh, Jimmy Butler was on that team. And before that, really been a while since they were in the playoffs and had that taste. So they'd be really excited. They also match up really well against the Memphis Grizzlies um, in terms of season series and just the matchups that they have. D'Angelo Russell seems to cook against these Grizzlies and uh, would be fascinating to see this as a first round series between two really young teams, kind of in a similar stage, at least in the development process. But the Grizzlies just have a lot more talent and cohesiveness as a unit. Don't get me wrong. Timberwolves have been great. They have the number one offensive efficiency in the league since the new year started. There's just, there's that gap there between those two teams at similar spots in the development process. And it would be a really fun matchup to see a lot of star power there, a lot of young star power there on the other side of things, the Los Angeles Clippers. There's been no news really about Kawhi, nothing at all. Um, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if he just showed up out of nowhere for the playoffs, however unlikely that seems. But let's not forget that this Paul George team led by Paul George uh, made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. And despite them really having a tough season, Tyron Liu is a fantastic playoff coach who makes really quick and solid adjustments and is willing to try anything. And I think on that alone, the Clippers really have a great chance. I think they're favored now in this game as, as the road team to win in Minnesota, just based off of Paul George being the best player in that game and the coaching factor there from Ty Lue to make some adjustments. Chris, Chris Finch, great coach, uh, comes from the Nick Nurse coaching tree. So we love that. Um, and he did get an extension this week with the Timberwolves, but I think he's just there's a difference here in terms of reps in the playoffs and Ty Lue, I think is going to cook up something good for Carl Anthony Towns excited to see how that matchup goes. And again, the winner of this game really dictates my interest in a couple of these series. Any thoughts on this one, Max tonight? Um, I think back to last year, the, in the East, the teams like the Hornets and the wizards who kind of surprised us um, stepping up a bit above where we thought they were to make the play in but when it locked in when the intensity went it was the tried and true the old guard the been there done that and that more or less checks out but like i the playing game especially we're, we're talking about Kyrie, kind of just taking over a half and putting brooklyn in the driver's seat i think delo 100 one of the types of players who can do that uh, it, you do love the one game anything can happen type part that is terrifying but i've got no stakes in this horse so i'm here for it no stakes in this race no horse in the stakes those <laughs> three uh yeah all right awesome we'll move on to the next couple of playing games this one's obviously less entertaining as it's nine and ten seeds and all these teams uh below 500 i think actually the hawks managed to claw their way out of 500 but Hawks uh, and Charlotte Hornets, two teams that play a ton of offense, not a lot of defense. This Atlanta Hawks team severely underperformed this year uh, after making the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I'm going to pick them just because of the Trey Young factor. Uh, this is a Hawks team that feels like it's been waiting for this big moment to really put forth effort. And th it's really possible that they could just have a solid game. Now, listening to other podcasts, one of the things that's interesting about this game is Charlotte is actually the best team at defending Trey Young in the entire league because what they do is they just, it's fire drill, send the blitz, um, send eight guys at Trey, make him give up the ball, make the other guys beat you. And in a one game scenario, if a team goes cold, that could be a really effective strategy. And so we'll see what happens there. Um, a couple of great guys they can throw at Trey and Terry Rozier. Uh, you could also put Miles Bridges if you wanted to have a little bit more length. Uh, and then Corey Martin as well is an option there for them. And Lamelo Mel as well. Maybe not the best defender, but a lot of length that you could show. And Trey does have just... 
based on height alone, he doesn't have those same type of passing lanes and and that vision over the top of guys who when he's given up a couple of inches in those matchups so fascinating to see if charlotte will continue to just send the all-out blitz and how atlanta is going to deal with that but i think the hawks just are the more talented team all around and if gordon hayward's not playing for this hornets team feels like they're in position for another heartbreaking loss in the playing tournament as they got bounced by indiana last year yeah uh, heart says Hornets, head says Hawks. Yeah. Last one here, really quickly. Uh, the Pelicans and the Spurs, no Zion, obviously, and that kind of takes me out of this game. Um, really great season from the Spurs, trying to make it to the playoffs. This could be Greg Popovich's last season, for all we know. And then on the other side, CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram have been fantastic for New Orleans since they've been together but there's really not much besides that. That's going to make me tune into this one. Um, Really the last piece of it is Herb Jones, who has been just freaky on the defensive end. There's a couple plays, Max, so you have to go and watch some of his highlight reels at the end of the season where he will be in the paint, kind of congesting things, and then closing out on a three-point above the arc and blocking it, taken the other way. Like he just, all length, all limbs, um, a lot like this Raptors team that we know and love um, and a, a great defender who can defend kind of one through four ish on the floor. So uh, he'd be another reason to tune in to see how he could handle DeJounte Murray or uh, Keldon Johnson, something like that. But just the name, like the Spurs team, man, it's tough to throw out names. And I hate saying it, <laughs> but it like they just, we said at the beginning of the season, they don't have the same number of names that's going to make the average NBA fan turn on the TV. I mean, quite honestly, neither of these teams have the number of wins to make me turn on the TV. I Looking at the season standings as we transition here into the playoff matchups that have been cemented, the East and West went basically, as we thought, where the West ridiculously top-heavy. But around that 5-6 mark, it just kind of petered out. Whereas the East, more competitive, more depth, uh, at least through to like 9-10. Still teams below 500, of course. Um, but yeah, the bottom of the West, a bit lackluster this year. Although maybe just the Suns, too good. Yes, sir. And and we're not going to start with Phoenix because uh, that is not my most entertain or that is uh, not my least entertaining series. We're going to go in uh, reverse order in terms of interest here as we introduce our playoff matchups. I'm just making a quick update now that we know that the Brooklyn Nets are going to win this play in game and the Cavs are going to have to protect their playoff spot against either the Hawks or the Hornets on Thursday. But we have arrived at our playoff preview and lots and lots of fantastic basketball ahead. I cannot wait. There are some injuries. There are some potential people playing from injury that could really swing the way these series go. Uh, But I'm going to start at the bottom of the ladder here with my list. And then Max, you can really throw in your thoughts as we go along. But I have in my eight spot out of eight in terms of interest uh, is the Miami Heat going up against the eight-seeded team in the East, whether that be Cleveland, Atlanta, or Charlotte. Um, this Miami Heat team, the number one seed in the East, silently just chugged along and had a fantastic season. Okay. Uh, Max yeah, Max gets to pat himself on the back here. He was right in picking them. Uh, I, I am impressed. And it's a Miami team that is not the most miraculous in terms of star power, like Kyle Lowry, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, all great all-star level talents, even all NBA level talents, but um, not the same blow you away off the page type names in the way that they play. And they play with a lot of grit and they play with a lot of defense. And this Miami team has a lot of guys who they can throw into different situations and they're going to beat you a lot of nights, just purely on heat culture alone. When it comes into the playoffs, we're going to see how they do because they struggled last year against Milwaukee. They got swept. Um, I don't think this team is much different from that team. Tyler hero, six man of the year, most likely is probably their most reliable offensive option down the stretch, which can be worrisome 
But again, you got to put a lot of respect on this team for being first in the East. Like that's not easy to do. And I think they are going to rinse any of the teams that come through here in the eighth seed. Um, I think Atlanta probably makes this series the most interesting any out of any of the teams because of the couple of series that they had and more, most specifically beating Philadelphia in the second round last year. I think that's the same level of challenge that they'll be facing here with this Miami Heat team. Yeah, except the challenge against the 76ers was what can you do against the offense and unstoppability of Joel Embiid? This Heat team is just a defensive wall that you have to overcome to get yourself into that game and stay competitive throughout it. And like you said, I, I don't think any of these teams have the offensive consistency to do that. Uh, the Heat will for sure run into problems later in these playoffs without that guy that you can rely that's been proven to be reliable and trustworthy in that fourth quarter. Yes, Lowry, I guess Jimmy Butler has been that guy at times. He hasn't been that season. Um, Kyle Lowry can be that guy. Like you said, Tyler Hero has been that guy this season. So maybe, um, and maybe that's what to look for most in this first round. Who's the guy who steps up when they need it? Moving along here to my seventh most intriguing series, I have the Milwaukee Bucks and the Chicago Bulls. Now, any series Milwaukee is in usually draws interest, but I think they've done a great job here kind of sliding into the matchup they wanted. They've owned the Bulls this year, sweeping them in the season series, uh, a couple of geographically closely linked teams, so maybe some bad blood there between Illinois and Wisconsin. Um but I think the most exciting part of this series is going to be Grayson Allen versus Alex Caruso. Remember Grayson Allen injuring Caruso way back in the middle of the season. And that started the downfall of the Chicago Bulls who were pushing for that one seed at one point in the regular season. They've dropped into six. They're a team that historically we haven't seen their guys performing big moments like Vucevic never got past first round. DeMar DeRozan, as much as I love him, has not shown yet. I mean, very different player from when he was in Toronto, but has not shown that killer instinct come playoff time. And then Zach Levine, another unproven commodity, um, had a brief cup of tea there with the Minnesota Timberwolves team, I believe, when he was on that Jimmy Butler team. But none of these guys have that playoff pedigree. They're going to need like an all-time defensive series from Pat Williams to even have a shot here because no one's going to be able to contain Giannis. And I just think with the Bucks team, with the pedigree that they bring now, the championship DNA, uh, a lot of people are picking this as their, as their sweep series uh, in the first round. Yeah, the Bulls, I mean, being on the downswing is kind of the cherry on top. They had a terrible season against any top seeds, really. Uh, so finishing sixth and having to do that from the get-go, I love the makeup of this team going in. I loved the season they had throughout it. And as we've discussed on this pod, that success they've had in the season is going to be massive moving forward and already pay, makes pays dividends on all the investments they've made. The, going back to the draft capital they gave away for Vucevic. Um, but it, it seems like nothing's lining up in this favor in this series, and that's really it. All right, we move on to six, and Max, we arrive at the team that you mentioned before we started this countdown, the Phoenix Suns against the eighth seed in the West. Now, that could be any one of Minnesota, Los Angeles, uh, San Antonio, or the Pelicans. Now, this series is far down my list simply because Phoenix has been so dominant this year, 65 wins. Um, one of the greatest regular season teams in the history of the NBA and a team that is hungry. They were in the NBA finals last year. Their team has only gotten better and they're just so far and away the best clutch time team in the league that it, they just, they lock in defensively and there's nothing you can do. And I think they're going to handle any of the teams that come through here. Now, this series instantly skyrockets to number two on my list if the Clippers end up being the eight seed and Kawhi is ready to go. That would be the only situation where this series takes off. But besides that, 
really not much to say because we don't know who the opponent is yet, but that is why I have them. It ranked so low because I feel like Phoenix washes whoever walks through that door. Some historical precedents jumped to my, I think I have this right. After the Warriors lost uh, to the Cavs in the finals, it was the next year Durant joined them and they had their 70 win season. So no big free agent signing, but a finals loss and a historic season uh, indicates good things for these sons. Actually, we're going to fact check right there because that 73 win team was the team that blew the 3 1 lead to LeBron and the Cavs, which oh. is why it was so monumental. <laughs> Wait, they got but their history wins without Durant? Yep. Oh, shit. Uh, thanks for the fact check. I. Yeah. That's what why the meme was so brutal. And typically, that is a very, very once-in-a-blue-moon situation, but typically history has favored regular season teams with success. I've, Bill Simmons did a whole thing on his podcast, but walked you through it, but I think it was like 80% of the teams that are in that top 20 or even 90% of those teams in that top 20 regular seasons have gone on to win the title. Um, it just it indicates success. And the net rating and the clutch stats, it all points the way for Phoenix to be the favorite for the NBA title this year. Move on to five, similar story here, Memphis against the seven seed. Um, even with Minnesota, I, I like it as an NBA nerd, but it doesn't beat out the other four series I have ahead of it. I'm really excited to see Memphis take that next step after losing out to a 61 Utah team in the first round last year, after surprising the world and beating Steph Curry and the Warriors in the play-in game, they are now going to be favored in a series. And a team now has, has a year of playoff scars. We'll see how they do. Uh, and we'll see what John Morant can do because there were some limitations in his game that got exposed last year in the playoffs, but will those same limitations be there or will he have taken that step forward? And I, I think they're going to, I see this team as stealing Western conference finals floor second round. Uh, they're going to go deep, but it just depends on what breaks right for them. Uh, I could very easily see them playing Phoenix in the Western conference finals here. Again, this series moves up to number two or three on my list. If it's the Clippers and Kawhi, because that's instantly watch television and imagine you're Memphis after having such a great, incredible season, you're on your way up, you're taking steps. This all feels great. And then your opponent steps through and it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the Clippers. Uh, that would be a, a bummer for them, but really intriguing television. Yeah. It, so more or less the gist is we're not expecting any of these top dogs to have any difficulties with the dark horses. This Memphis team, I guess, beating the Warriors, the one outlier. But despite like the ridiculously surprising depth of their team, they have more or less been in line with expectations. Uh, we thought we'd they'd test the Jazz, but not pose any real threat. We thought we'd see the next step forward this regular season. We've seen that, uh, expecting some playoff success, but not a lot, or sorry, but not a finals appearance. Um, I guess we'll see if that holds true. We shall see. We shall see. Um, Going to wrap up a couple, The basically wrapping up the Western Conference here, my fourth ranked series, the Dallas Mavericks and the Utah Jazz. And this series would be higher if Utah was not in it, but we finally get to see potentially Luka Doncic up against a new opponent this time not having to play the Clippers. Now he does have a calf strain. So that could drop this series drastically down my list if he is not good to go by game one. But uh, finally get to see him in a different matchup. Uh, maybe not the same level of wing defenders <laughs> with Pyle George and Kawhi Leonard going to more of a Royce O'Neal or a Bo Bojan Bogdanovic uh, would be a little bit nicer for Doncic. And this is a Mavericks team that can space the floor. And we'll see once again, if they try to expose Rudy Gobert by just making a seven footer have to cover the rim and the corner, which no person can do but for some reason Gobert gets the most heat for it because it's easy to expose someone who has to do the hardest job and has one defensive player of the year and may likely win it again this year 
I'm excited to see what happens here. And the Utah Jazz are a sneaky team that if they don't get out of this first round, one of Mitchell and Gobert probably moving out the door, uh, which could really affect the NBA landscape. So really intrigued to see the dimensions of this series and hopefully see Luka Doncic fully healthy and operating because he just, he has unprecedented numbers as a, as his first two playoff series going up against two of the top guys in the league and putting up basically 40, 40 point triple double average. Um, we'll see if he can do that against Utah uh, and if he's healthy to go, but that is why this one is, is my number four ranked series. Yeah, it is just the comparisons Doncic draws with the creativity and the unstoppable nature of his game when he's really flowing and it's hard to hold it against him in his first couple playoff series that some of the best defenders in the league have been able to stop him. But I don't know if there's any excuses in this series, especially when his team's on a roll, the Dinwiddie trade really seemed to click. And there is a blueprint for beating this Jazz team in the playoffs over a seven-game series. So I think the Mavericks really in the pressure seat. Um, and it kind of just by default, slots the jazz as a dark horse which is kind of ridiculous after just last year but yeah i i think the jazz also have to be looking at where they hope to be at the start of this season where they're at now what the betting odds say about their chances for this playoffs and if it does go that way a lot of tough questions and no easy answers when you're like 90 percent clicking but can't figure out that last stumbling block though <laughs> really getting ahead of myself there again a, a really big one and and an injury is the the key storyline heading into that series as we get to number three on my list again injuries the biggest storylines of this series but way up there for me is the golden state warriors and the denver nuggets um golden state this was probably the matchup they least wanted to draw in terms of being a higher seed uh going up against nikola Jokic with not the best center defense um luckily for them this nuggets team is still really <laughs> below average besides the likely league MVP this year, back-to-back -back MVP in Jokic. Um, and this is a Golden State Warriors team that was top three in the league in defense for the first two, three months of the year. And Draymond is healthy. Clay is there. We don't know if Steph is going to go, and that's a big piece of this series. We don't know if he's going to go for game one, but he'll definitely be in this series at some point. Can the Warriors retain that defensive ability that they had early on in the series? Because if they can do that, then I think it it instantly becomes a lot more one-sided. No matter what you throw at Jokic, he's going to put up numbers. But if you can lock down the other guys on his team, then there's only so much he can do. He can put up 20, 20, 20 and still only get to 90 points, right? So... It, it will be really fascinating to see if they can turn that on. Obviously, Draymond Green showed some incredible defensive ability in the play-in tournament after a couple of years off. Uh, he, he can still turn it up when he needs to and be that guy that won three titles in Golden State and was their lockdown defensive player and winning defensive player of the year. He's also a great playmaker on the offensive side, and they need that. And we haven't seen all three of those core guys running together really yet this season. Um and will they be able to think like get on the bicycle and just start riding or will they need to figure it out? And um, it's the best matchup you could ask for, for Denver. I, I still favor golden state heavily in this series, but Jokic could pull out a couple games and then maybe do we see Jamal Murray late in this season? Athletically, apparently he's ready to go. There's just this last mental hurdle, which is a big part of injuries, right? Is getting back on the court and not being scared that the same thing's going to happen. And it's possible that he could get in into this series. Again, not the best to take off the training wheels in the playoffs, but you got to run him out there because he's just so much better than any other alternative that the Nuggets have to offer right now. And Michael Porter Jr. is another guy whose name's been thrown out there. I think it's less likely that he gets in 
but that could really change the dynamic of this series as well. Excited to see what Jokic can do against this smaller Warriors team uh, with no Wiseman to throw at him either. I think he's just going to get a ton of points in this series, just put up a ton of production. I just don't think it's going to be enough against the overall better Golden State team. Yeah, if if there was one player to single-handedly win a series, it's my spoiler alert, my MVP pick for the year. Um, just because of the versatility of what he can do and the flexibility and quick thinking that he assesses those options and picks them um, does kind of just defy common expectations, common sense so much that I think it is possible. But this Golden State team took everyone's breath away, locking in that first quarter of the season. You've got to think this last quarter or so, they've been coasting, preparing for this moment, wanting to make the world remember. And I think that kind of influencing your pick here, and it's hard to look down on that. All right, we have gotten to our last two series here. Uh, This one (laughs) would have been a lot further down the list and then was confirmed and rocketed up the board. The Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. This is going to be a great matchup. A lot of bad blood here between the two teams. Uh, (laughs) A lot of history with Kyrie Irving, which will be fascinating to see at TD Garden. Uh, when this game, when when the games go, and uh, it's just shot making versus shot making here. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum going up against Kyrie and Kevin Durant, um, and it is going to be awesome. The Celtics without Robert Williams still holding up really well defensively, and I have them heavily favored again because of their ability to play both sides of the floor. I think Brooklyn's going to have a couple games where they put up one thirty. But overall, they're not going to be able to defend at the same level that the Celtics can. And they don't really have an answer for Jason Tatum right now with no Ben Simmons. You're going to have to throw Bruce Brown at him. You're going to have to throw Claxton at him. Maybe you're going to have to throw. They just don't have the guys unless they go to Kevin Durant. And I don't think they can ask Durant to give them 30 points and also guard Jason Tatum, who is number five or number four on a lot of people's MVP ballots this year uh, as the Celtics climbed into that second seed and has been the hottest team in the league since the end of January. So Celtics I have as the favorite team, but this is a super intriguing series. Once again, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard are probably the, and, and Giannis are kind of your three top picks when it comes to playoff game, win me a playoff game, right? Would you, would you say even maybe LeBron's in there? Well, I still just because put in that in there last thing, but but I'd say guys right in the prime of their careers that you'd want, especially two way presence, is Katie, Giannis, Kawhi. They have the biggest impact on the game right now. Those three guys, and so we get to see Katie in this one for sure. If Kawhi's in, he instantly skies up the board as well. Um, no, Giannis's series would be up here, but I just think it's not going to be a very entertaining because it's so lopsided. So really excited to see what can happen. Like I said before, Kyrie did not miss a shot in the first half. If he can do that, then Boston Celtics fans will be gritting their teeth through this series. But overall, I think in seven games, the, the team and the defense is going to win out for Boston. But oh, the Kyrie Irving storyline and just watching these guys go head to head is is just juicy. And I cannot wait. Yeah, I, I just think they'll have to fight offensively so hard to even explode for one quarter. And that's going to have its losses on the defensive end. And the, whereas the Celtics offense is going to be a lot more consistent, a lot more nonstop. Um, yeah, I, I really, the more I think about it, don't see it for the Nets. Though if Kyrie could drop 40 in one game, that would be delicious. Oh, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will have plenty of points. It just will be, can the other guys do it for the Nets? Last series here, and maybe it's a little hometown bias, but I think a lot of fans south of the border here are just as captivated by this matchup 
as we are, our Toronto Raptors going up against the Philadelphia 76ers in a 4-5 matchup that all the pressure is on Philly. It's it's palpable. Um, Shaq picking them to sweep, I wouldn't go that far. I'm going to hold the same position that I've held with this Raptors team. I actually didn't pick them to make the playoffs. We're going to ignore that. Um, but I am going to, once again, hedge myself emotionally and pick Philadelphia in seven games. I just think that, again, in the playoffs, when it comes to the physicality here, the Raptors have no one to contain Joel Embiid, and they're going to foul him a lot, and they're going to put a physical brunt on him. But if he can power through that, he's in the best shape he's ever been. In a seven-game series, the Raptors just don't have the size to handle him, and he's going to have a major, major series, just like he did in 2019. Every home game in Philly, it was the Joel Embiid show. And so it this series brings back of course all of the memories of 2019 this series in the season series has heavily favored the raptors with the looks that they have sent joel's way and their ability to defend harden with multiple guys right you can throw scotty at him scotty's embraced the matchup uh which i've loved this year but you can defend james harden with basically one through five guys on the floor with a Precious, with a Pascal, with a OG, with a Fred Van Vliet, with a Gary Trent Jr. They can all take that matchup in certain scenarios. And so what it really comes down to is how are they going to just throw tons of bodies in length at Joel Embiid and make him make bad decisions because he's going to get his points. And it's about containing the rest of the 76ers team. Big thing to note, Matisse Thibel, ineligible to play in Canada as he is unvaccinated. So that's three games right there, potential games where the 76ers are missing their best perimeter defender, which is going to be huge for the Raptors as Fred Van Vliet historically has struggled in this matchup against Philadelphia. He struggled in 2019. And if it wasn't for Serge Ibaka and Kawhi Leonard, the Raptors would not have won that series. Now, Fred Van Vliet, of course, a much better player now than he was then. And the shooting has really gone up a tick. And I think he'll be better in this series, but this is, this is the time where we get to see what the Raptors team was made of. We were looking forward to it last year as, uh, and even two years ago, seeing what this team was like without Kawhi Leonard, getting Pascal, those scars as the number one option, getting OG, those scars, getting Fred, those scars. This is the time for it to come through. And I, it's very, very, there's a great possibility that the Raptors could win this series. We saw Pascal take over a week ago against Philadelphia. The 76ers don't have a guy who can guard him. And so will he be able to do it come playoff time? So intriguing to see, and I cannot wait for the series. It's been so long since we've had Raptors playoff basketball in Toronto. Um, the last time really was the title. So get to welcome them home. And, and I just, I love playoff basketball. It doesn't get any better than this. I wish you hadn't said everything I thought, but you kind of did. Embiid uh, <laughs> is going to be terrifying, but it, if there's one coach I'd trust to figure it out, it would be Nick Nurse. I, I don't... Just the points are going to come so easily for this team. The foul shooting is just a, a certainty, and I think the Raptors are everyone's going to have to pull deep into their bag of tricks. Fred is going to have to hit some ridiculous, consistently deep threes and always be threatening there. Pascal's going to have to be as unstoppable. You can double team me in the mid range and I've still got four different moves for whichever way you're not covering self. Scotty's going to have to be all confidence and all performance. OG's going to have to remember, Hey, I can score buckets on the offense when I ask for the ball actually do it. Gary Trent is going to have to be his clutch consistent best without being his one of 10 through the first half worst self. And Precious is going to have to take as the biggest body on the Raptors. He's really going to have a miserable, miserable series. And just maybe if all those things happen, it can happen. But um, Embiid is just we don't we don't have anyone built like him he's built different yeah i will i will finish this as i started it pressure is all on philly and you gotta remember that play loose play fast 
The Sixers don't like to run, so take them in transition. Get all up in Harden's grill and, and bring back the demons that this Philly team now faces. The fan base will turn on them if things get close, and you will feel the pressure in the arena rise. Doc Rivers has choked in the past. He's out the door if they don't win this series. And Bede, really tough experiences in the past. I wouldn't say necessarily that I pin everything on him, but like this is it. He's the number one guy. This is, this is the year. Uh, MVP caliber, the pressure to perform, and then James Harden, of course. An incredible player, uh, easily a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest offensive players we've seen in a very long time. And all of that means nothing because he hasn't had the playoff success that people require him to have to put him up with the greats and hasn't looked his same explosive self. And if things start going poorly for him, he could have another moment in his story career where it's three for 15 in a game six and it's going back home and the whole city is dragging him down. And I can't even imagine that kind of pressure, but Philly fans are going to be very tense throughout this series. And if you're a Raptors fan, you will feel the ten intensity as well. You will feel tense, but just enjoy the ride because we are the underdogs and we're going to push through. And I think they have a really good shot of winning this series. You know what I will say? If it goes seven games, I favor the Raps to take the seventh. This team, the 76ers team, just way too much trauma with game sevens, especially against the Raptors. Looking forward to that. The playoffs get underway on Sunday. We still have the play-in tournament to get through. Uh, just over halfway through the first quarter of this Wolves-Clippers game. Uh, Low-scoring affair so far, but we will keep track of that one and keep up everyone updated on Thursday. Um, I don't know if we want to just wrap things up here. This felt good. A lot, lot to get through. Gut check awards. I can really run through my list right now. Um, I have Jokic as the MVP. I have Mikal Bridges as my defensive player of the year. I have Scotty Barnes as my rookie of the year. I have Monty Williams as the coach of the year and Tyler Hero as the sixth man of the year. <laughs> did we go five for five there, Max? We did. Perfect. That's easy. Uh, and then, you know what? I will bring some more baseball on Thursday uh, because this Blue Jays team is showing some stuff that's making me very excited. But we will talk about that on Thursday. And until then, we will thank everyone so much for listening. Enjoy the basketball this week. Enjoy the tennis this week. And Max, my friend, I will see you on Thursday. Looking forward to it. And until then, Sports Next Door signing out.